Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning in to the SGT Report podcast. Were you aware of the fact that silver prices are low due to paper manipulation by bankers? Yeah, it's true, but guess what? I just did an interview with David Jensen, and Jensen believes the Fed just triggered a terminal run on the silver market because of their printing. We should see a huge demand in coming months for physical silver. It's a perfect time to get your silver IRA started. And this month, you'll get an incredible free three-ounce silver American Virtue coin with a qualified IRA of $20,000 or higher. Call the team right now at 877-646-5347 or just visit noblegoldinvestments.com. The WHO knows that the international health regulations don't really give them any power and they're tired of using hypnosis. They want legal authority and we can't allow them to have it, period. Hey guys, Sean from SGT Report here. That was truth teller and deep researcher James Rogowski who returns to SGT Report with an update about the tyranny from the World Health Organization and how we need to continue to fight to stop it. Before we start, just a quick word about our sponsor. So did you know that silver demand will exceed supply again this year? By a large factor, silver is one of the most useful industrial metals out there. And demand is soaring amidst the green new agenda. Electric cars, solar panels, iPhones, it all requires silver. There will also be future demand in the field of nanotechnology, the food industry, and printed and flexible electronics. You heard that right. Demand will increase by at least 50% by 2030. There's no better time to invest with Noble Gold than right now. Noble Gold Investments will walk you through the entire process and will take you no more than five minutes to open a gold or silver IRA. And this month, you'll get a three ounce silver American virtue coin with a qualified IRA of 20 grand or higher. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com. Hey friends, welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's Sean from sgtreport.com, sgtreport.tv and thephaser.com. A special thanks to those who've subscribed to us over on Rumble, where we're really taking off and rivaling the view counts we used to get on YouTube. So my thanks to Rumble, my thanks to Ray over at BitChute, another fantastic platform. Guys, I have James Rogowski back on the line. You can find him over at jamesrogowski.substack.com. James, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm good. Uh, I got some interesting news. So, um, what do you want to start with? Well, let's start with the snowflakes. I guess uh, this thing with Twitter is really going to happen. And uh, Elon Musk is going to take Twitter over and the snowflakes are crying and they're making demands on him. Do you believe this? The people at Twitter working there, or I should say working from home, they're making demands on Elon. I don't think they understand how a free market works. And uh, the old boss is not the same as the new boss in this case, James. What do you make of all those poor snowflakes? I guess 70, 75 percent of them might get fired. Um, you know, I actually really haven't spent much time on social media at all. And so if Twitter becomes something useful, um, that would be great. Uh, what I have found is that people such as yourself, we, we need to be the media. We, we need to not rely on anybody to be a platform, you know, for us and put all your eggs in that basket so they can just wipe it out. Um, you know, I've, I've experienced that and I think I've learned my lesson that, uh, each individual person has, you know, a camera in their hand. Usually most people have phones and I encourage everybody start making your own darn videos, put them out there, share them with friends, um, you know, make documents that you can share, put some information in a PDF, share it with somebody. Now it's on their, their laptop. 
you, you can't be deplatformed if you're doing things in a, a, a better way. You know, then you find things like you're doing with Rumble and BitChute and everywhere. Yeah, some of those platforms may hang around, um, but, you know, we've got to be way more creative than hoping some oligarch is going to save us. Couldn't agree more. And uh, there's lots of speculation about Elon Musk. Is he just playing his role in this big World Economic Forum, World Health Organization takeover? I don't think so. I think he's acting out of self-preservation to some degree. He says he loves humanity. He's not taking Twitter over for money to make money. He's doing it because he loves humanity. His words, which I thought was interesting, because you're not going to hear those words from Klaus Schwab or Yuval Noah Harari or certainly not from Bill Gates. These people actually hate humanity, and Yuval Noah Harari has essentially said that much. James, uh, you know, I've got to wait and see attitude, um, and and so, uh, like I said, if Twitter becomes something that uh, seems to be fair and honest and and truthful, uh, I, I judge people not on what they say they're going to do. I judge them on what they actually do. So. Um, I'm an optimist and, and I'm hoping for the best. And, you know, uh, Elon, do some good stuff for the world and um, people will be attracted to it. Uh, I hope so. Well, we shall see. So, guys, do you remember when there was all the talk of the World Health Organization taking over in the event of another pandemic? Remember that phrase, health emergency of international concern? Well, James Rogowski and SGT Report and everybody else who sounded the alarm about that, I think helped defeat it to some extent, or at least we believe we did. But James is back with news. Would you guys believe the WHO is this week secretly discussing proposals from 14 nations who've quietly and privately submitted new proposals for amendments to the international health regulations? Four of the nations also submitted proposals on behalf of multiple other nations. The following nations have submitted proposed amendments. Armenia? Bangladesh, Brazil, Czech Republic. Let's scroll down the list to number 13, United States of America under puppet president Joe Biden. James, what's going on here? Well, what's going on is going on in secret. And so uh, I can uh, report that I'm having a case of deja vu because uh, this is very similar uh, to what happened in January when the Biden administration uh, submitted proposed amendments. Let me, let me clarify the big picture here because Earlier in the year, everybody got it confused. Okay. There's two tracks that the WHO is trying to gain legally binding authority. Okay. Their words. One track is something referred to as the pandemic treaty. That is not what we're talking about today. That's a thing. It's something to be concerned about. But this thing that I'm talking about today with Sean is different. Okay. These are proposed amendments to existing international law. The treaty is about writing new international law. We're talking about proposed amendments to the international health regulations, which has been around, quite frankly, for more than 100 years as in some form or another. But the current form was uh, put together in 2005. It's been amended a few times. And they're trying to change that international law. Now, what happened earlier in the year was the Biden administration tried to quietly shove through some amendments. And in effect, in May, the smaller nations of the world said, hey, 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 wait a minute. You know, um, you're trying to give all this power to the WHO. You know, what's in it for us? And so they set up a more, we would have thought, 
public structure, they set up a working group for amendments to the international health regulations, which was scheduled to meet for the first time, November 14th and 15th, about two weeks from now. Well, they also set forth guidelines for all of the nations in advance of that meeting. They set a deadline of September 30th and said, any member nations, if you want to submit proposed amendments, do so by the end of September. And so 14 nations did that. Now, four, four of the nations submitted on behalf of groups of nations. The Czech Republic submitted on behalf of the European Union, Russia on behalf of the Russian Federation. There's still a handful of states remaining in that federation. I certainly want to see their proposal. Um, Uruguay submitted on behalf of a lot of South American nations and a small country called um, Eswatini, Eswatini in uh, Northeast South Africa submitted on behalf of the African region. So it's not just 14 nations involved, it's many, many, many nations more. And here's where the political intrigue starts. Um, that was all supposed to be beginning to be negotiated and discussed in the middle of November. But the dictator general, as I refer to him, the, the director general of the WHO, Tedros Cabrasius, as the international health regulations allow somewhat, he's twisting it a little bit, created out of the clear blue sky, a review committee. And rather than have that review committee review the document that may come out of this November meeting from the working group, and you know, dot the I's and cross the T's and make sure it's all, you know, all the links and cross-references are all good. He put together a, a group of um, 18 or so um, well-respected men and women, you know, biggest resumes you can imagine, and created this review committee that answers only to him. They serve him. They are here to review. Um, really, it should have been after this meeting. They stuck it into meetings this week. So today is Thursday. Um, they've probably finished their fourth meeting already. They're scheduled to have a fifth meeting on Friday. So Monday through Friday this week, this review committee has stepped in to intercede in these negotiations because I could only imagine, you know, if you look at the, the list of nations, I, I have to imagine, you know, there's a little bit of disagreement as to how to proceed uh, taking over, you know, world health. And, and so my gripe is that, you know, number one, um, how does he get to have his, it, my words, okay, how does he get to have his goons step in and break some kneecaps and, and wheel and deal, you know, to craft a, a, a document to his liking before we, the people, get to see what those documents were. Um, now, I've, I've put a couple of personal assumptions into there, and I, I hope I'm wrong, but the one assumption that I know I'm absolutely correct on is we've put in FOIA requests in the United States, Finland, um, Australia, South uh, Africa, and the United Kingdom. I've put in email requests to the review committee, to our delegates, and all you get is crickets. And I know crickets are a high protein meal these days, but um, that's not the kind of crickets I'm talking about. They're just keeping this completely secret. And uh, you know, I'm not having it, that's not good enough. 
we need to see what the nations have submitted as proposed amendments before they work them over into something that they're then going to try to shove um, through and, and make international law. Wow. All right. Well, I have a question for you about uh, what we thought we defeated earlier in the year with the uh, health emergency of international concern. We'll talk about that. But you mentioned crickets, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, you will eat the bugs. They want us to eat the crickets. They want us to own nothing and we'll be happy. And as people are now realizing, crickets are a high protein meal for a spotted gecko, not for a human being, because we do not have the biology to process crickets in the infrastructure of that exoskeleton. So it's poison to humans. And now we're just discovering that uh, Klaus Schwab, he wants us to eat the crickets because they are poisonous to humans. Did you know that, James? Well, you know, in this regard, crickets are silence and I'm not swallowing the silence. Um, I'm, I'm putting up a stink and saying, look, uh, you don't get to change international law. There's, there's no even thought of public input. There's no thought of any kind of public discussion. They're having, you know, they don't call it secret. They say that these are private meetings. Okay. And on Wednesday, um, in addition to their private review committee, they did have, uh, or, or they say that they were going to allow in, you know, all of the relevant stakeholders. So, you know, possibly the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Clinton Foundation, uh, groups like, believe it or not, the Rotary International and, and the Red Cross and all that sort of stuff. Rotary donates hundreds of millions of dollars a year to the WHO. And, and, and so what I'm concerned about is that we, the people, are just being shoved out by this consortium of you know, pseudo-government agencies, corporations, all the pharmaceutical companies, and, and now the third leg of modern fascism. You know, Mussolini defined fascism as government and corporations, but now there's this whole foundation money laundering thing where the three different legs of this new type of fascism get together and just crowd the people out of the equation, okay? And so they like it when nobody's paying attention and they get to do all of these backroom deals and decide how the money is all gonna flow. And then they did this back in July. They had a couple of secret days of meetings and then they patted themselves on the back. On Thursday, the 21st of July, they had a little half hour meeting uh, to, to be transparent about the decision that they had made in secret during the previous two days of secret meetings. And, and essentially what they said is, we're so proud of our transparency that we're gonna tell you what we decided in secret. And the decision that they made, which was really no surprise, was they want a, a, a pandemic treaty and also these regulations, it's a two track path. They want them to be legally binding which essentially means right now the WHO gets to make recommendations and, and people are hypnotized into thinking that their recommendations hold some kind of force of law, which they don't, but they realize that, they know that, they hypnotize people into believing that, but they wanna enshrine it in international law so that when they speak, you know, it is a legally binding um, decision. And, you know, that's giving up your sovereignty, people. So go back to sleep and don't pay any attention to this. If you just want to hand over control of your life 
to Tedros Ghebreyesus and the WHO and behind them, the World Economic Forum and whoever the heck is behind them. Um, pay attention to this. If you are of the mind to you know, truly take action, um, it's really not that hard to put in a FOIA request. It's not that hard to send an email uh, to other uh, people you know, uh, in Congress or wherever. Everybody's distracted. I know everybody's doing a million things. Probably the easiest thing that anybody can do, if you have any questions about this, give me a call. My phone number, it's my cell phone. It's right here next to me, um, 310-619-3055. I recognize that this is a lot of information, you know, really quick. Be happy to explain it, you know, in detail. It's all on my Substack, J-A-M-E-S-R-O-G-U-S-K-I.substack.com couple of articles about, you know, the WHO keeping secrets. Um, but more importantly, just take this video and share the daylights out of it. Okay. We have to be the media. This isn't going to be on Tucker Carlson and in the Fox news and all that sort of thing. And if it is on there, they'll get it wrong. Like they did last time. All right. We have to be the media. SGT report is you know, a wonderful source for info. Take this video. When you see it, take the link and put it every place you possibly can. And awareness is, is step number one. So if all you do is help other people become aware that, you know, they're trying to slip this through the way they tried to slip it through earlier in the year, um, you will have done at least, you know, a, a part of helping the world. Okay, guys, I don't normally do this, but I need to start doing it more. We're going to take a little break for an ad from our sponsor. By the way, guys, if you don't like World Health Organization, health emergency concerns of international concerns shoved down your throat, Ignore all of it and make your immune system clean, resilient, and resistant to all boogeyman viruses and pandemics. Before flu season hits, get Z-Stack, Z-Stack for kids, Z-Detox, and now the new Z-Flu. Z-Flu uses the highest quality of immune-boosting elderberry coupled with vitamins C, D, and zinc to keep your body's immune system at its strongest. Trust the name that helped keep you safe and healthy the last few years, Z-Stack, Z-Detox, and now Z-Flu. I'll leave the link below. All right, so I have a couple of questions here. Um, a private review committee set up just for Tedros, it reminds me a little bit of the FDA, which is at this point <laughs> Pfizer's private review committee. Essentially, they greenlight anything. So does the CDC. By the way, I should show you this since I mentioned CDC. Rand Paul demands answers over Vax company PR firms embedded staff within CDC to promote vaccines. This quote raises serious concerns about the independence of CDCs and ACIPs, vaccine recommendations, end quote. Yeah, no, duh. So let me ask you regarding the World Health Organization, how in the world do they think anything coming from them would be legally binding for our nation? Because one of the problems that these people face, and I'm talking about Gates, the World Economic Forum and the New World Order, is in the words of Soros, the hardest country to destroy in his experience has been the United States because of the way the founders set it up. So even though in the EU, they have bureaucrats in Brussels meeting in secret, really a secret panel, and whatever they decide for the EU goes. So they'll get their puppets like Macron and Merkel, and yes, even the hand of the queen in Canada, Trudeau. These people greenlight everything coming from these secret panels the puppet masters who control the world. They're not gonna get away with that in this nation, even with a puppet president like Biden, because we have 50 states. So how do they think it's going to be legally binding, James? We're not gonna go for it. The people aren't gonna go for it. DeSantis Sean, isn't gonna go for it. 
That's a, that's a very good question. And I'm going to give you a very good answer, but it's not a one word answer. So here you go. Okay. What you're talking about, first of all, comes under the, the um, guise uh, that is in articles 19 and 20 in the WHO constitution, not the US constitution. We'll get to that. Okay. Under articles 19 and 20 of the WHO constitution, the, the uh, World Health Assembly, which is all of the delegates from 194 member nations, they meet every May, they are able to negotiate and adopt what's called either a convention or an agreement. Most people in the world would call that a treaty, but their language that they use in their constitution talks about a convention or an agreement. In the United States, when an international agreement goes through the process of the Senate um, voting on it, giving their advice and consent, and it's then ratified by the president, we in the United States call that a treaty. Okay. And so that's a difficult process. And when people say, oh, the Senate will never go for that. Well, you know, we'll see. You're probably right. All depends on the makeup of the Senate. There's probably 34 senators who would reject something like that. And so most people are probably right about that, but they're missing the point. Okay. A convention is not what people think it is. And if you put the word framework in front of it, a framework convention, the WHO did exactly that in 2003, I believe it was, um, in regards to controlling tobacco. There's a thing out there in the world called the Framework Convention for the Control of Tobacco. The WHO's assembly adopted that 20 years ago, and George W. Bush signed it, never asked the Senate for their opinion. That's a sole executive agreement. People are familiar with that, with Obama signing the Paris Accords for climate change and the Iran deal. And so presidents can get the United States into international agreements that are legally binding. Okay. The next president can get us out of it. Okay. And you get in and you get out. Um, but don't think that there is, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get rid of the double negatives. There absolutely is a way for them to get this through on that level as a framework convention. And so what they do with that is they set the basic guidelines and then all of the young leaders in, you know, from the WAF that are embedded in, the, in parliament and you know, now prime minister of, of Britain and in, in your local uh, state assembly and your health commissioner and everybody under the sun, they're busy enacting local laws that are just atrocious. Okay. So that's just one part of the answer to your question, right? Um, if they set it up through that, what we would call a treaty, it's a harder, more difficult pathway. They have to get a two thirds vote in the World Health Assembly. And then every single nation would have to proactively get their Senate or their parliament or by whatever means, or they avoid that and they just get the president or the premier or the prime minister to sign off on it as an executive agreement, okay? That's doable, okay? But it's a harder path 
than what we're talking about now, which are amendments to an existing executive agreement. The international health regulations are something that are, are already legally binding. They don't have a lot of teeth to them. There's, if you read them, there's, you know, there's a few things that we got to do. It's, it's not that big of a deal, but they know that that pathway is easier. They only need a simple majority in May's um, World Health Assembly, but then it's, it's just assumed because this is the agreement that we're already agreed to, that if it gets that simple majority in May, boom, it's legally binding international law. We don't need to have 194 nations uh, you know, approve those amendments. It's assumed unless a nation pr proactively rejects the amendments. Now we can do that, but Biden ain't gonna do that. Okay, and so these amendments and the pathway by which they become legally binding, it's all greased up and slippery. And if we don't get this and nip it in the bud right now and get everybody aware that, oh, hell no, we're not going for this. Now, number one, we don't know what the amendments are. They're keeping them a secret. And I, I, I don't think they're beneficial for us because if they were beneficial for us, I think they'd be talking about it. Okay, I, I think they're trying to slide something through because they know if they can come out of these meetings now with some kind of a consensus, the path to getting this into being an, an adopted amendment to the IHRs um, is a slippery, slippery, quick slope and boom, um, it's, it's now legally binding. And so people who say, oh, it'll never, never happen, Okay, fine. Go back to sleep and, you know, talk to me in a year. And, you know, I'd much rather have you get on board and help spread the word so that we just put the kibosh on this right now and stop it. Because assuming that it's not going to happen gives them the open pathway to making it happen. So I hope that answers your question. Well, yeah, it helps. But we'll talk about what the World Health Organization endgame is. What is their wet dream? And uh, we'll back up and then we'll spring forward to get the answer to that, because we defeated, I think, the idea of a health emergency of international concern, because correct me if I'm wrong, didn't the World Health Organization call monkeypox a health emergency of international concern, which I think would have triggered their ability to dictate to our country what we do in the event of a pandemic. But the narrative has now shifted so quickly back towards the people and away from lockdowns, away from masking, away from mandatory vaccines. We have uh, the Supreme Court of New York saying it is illegal for you to have fired these people who refused the vax. You must rehire them all with back pay. The narrative has shifted against Gates, against Tedros, against Klaus Schwab, against the Rothschild New World Order in such a powerful way, I don't think they're going to get away with it. So my question is, did we defeat them with that previous plan of labeling a health emergency of international concern like monkeypox? It didn't work, did it? We, we defeated that, didn't we? Well, you know, that's part of the fallacy. Uh, let me correct your pronunciation first. In, in my world, in my language, the K is silent. It's actually monkeypox. Um, and, and so I, I think they made a mistake with monkeypox. You know, they were trying to scare the world and, 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 and they actually exposed, you know, the ridiculousness of it. But here's the confusion that is out there in the world. And I hope we can settle some of it. Okay. The the lockdowns, the mask requirements, the um, mandates for injections and all that sort of stuff. 
that came maybe with the implicit blessing of the WHO, but that was all local. That was either the United States federal government, the state government, the local government, whatever it might be, okay? What we're dealing with is they're setting the tone, they're setting the framework. We didn't have WHO, you know, um, troopers coming in, okay? They're just sitting on top saying what they want and their um, peons, you know, they're, they're young global leaders who are infiltrated into cabinets and, and assemblies and everything. What, what we dealt with was not the WHO having legal authority to tell any nation what to do. That's what they're trying to enact with the treaty and amendments and so forth. They're tr trying to give themselves authority that they don't currently have. What we've been dealing with is really spectacularly high quality hypnosis and propaganda. Yeah. All they've ever done is made recommendations and people get hypnotized. You know, it's like, oh, it, it's a suggestion. And, you know, think about hypnosis. You get a hypnotic suggestion. So what we've dealt with over the past two and a half years are our local officials thinking for some reason that the WHO has all power and has all this authority and whatever they say, oh, we got to do it because the WHO says so, right? That has not been what has happened. That has all been hypnosis and confusion and recommendations. And our local leaders are the ones to blame for stomping on our rights. The WHO knows that the international health regulations don't really give them any power and they're tired of using hypnosis. They want legal authority and we can't allow them to have it, period. Through amendments is the easy way for them to get it. Through the treaty is a harder path for them to get it. And both of those things just need to be stopped cold by millions and billions of people who are just paying attention and, and go, hey, um, you, you, you did a crappy job. Everything you're talking about is horrible. We're not going to we're not going to permit you to bring in this concept of one health where you're in charge of the entire world and not just human health, but animal health and farming and agriculture and transportation and everything. We need to decentralize authority. We need to get authority and sovereignty and freedom back to the very, very local and personal level. The last thing in the world we need to do is say that these technocratic, quite frankly, evil geniuses on some level, the last thing we want to do is give them centralized control over the entire world with a legally binding agreement. Well, as we round out the conversation, why don't you paint the most dystopic picture you can <laughs> of what these people want? Should they get the power they want? And by the way, when you mention stakeholders, I want people to understand what that means. That's essentially like shareholders in a corporation. So oh, if Bill is. Gates is the largest shareholder in Microsoft or Zuckerberg is the largest shareholder in Meta, which by the way, fortunately for humanity has plummeted from a stock price of 350 to hundred dollars over the past year. I'm talking about Facebook, Meta. Uh -huh. Stakeholders, when it comes to the World Health Organization are organizations like the Gates Foundation, Soros's Open Society whatever Rothschild dark pools of money are out there masquerading as some other name we don't know. Those are stakeholders 
in the secret government, in the new world order. So what do these stakeholders want? What is the most dystopic picture you can paint should they get this power? Um, I'll answer your question and I'll paint the dystopia, but I want to go the other direction and paint the positive as well. Um, there's a document on my Substack articles where uh, I simplified their list of 393 relevant stakeholders. And your name and my name are not on the list. So apparently we're not relevant. And it's all kinds of organizations, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates and Gavi and the Clinton Foundation and so forth. And so the way it appears their game is played is these supposedly beneficial organizations realize that if they play ball with the WHO, if they go along with the WHO's recommendations and you know, amendments and things like that, um, and, and they speak up at the meetings as they are allowed to do, which we're not allowed to do, if they promote the WHO's activities, if they donate money to the WHO's activities, just like if you donated money to uh, your alma mater and you wanted them to build a science lab or a gymnasium or something, when they donate, they get to earmark how they want that money spent. The latest thing that they did in Berlin is billions of dollars are being raised for polio vaccinations. Okay, well, who owns stock in the companies that are going to be producing the polio vaccinations? So you can see how the money laundering works. These, these supposed grassroots, I call them astroturf organizations, that sound all nice and good, they call them civil society, they have a place at the table because they put money on the table, but then that money is earmarked for their pet projects and they either you know, own or are on the board or have stock or are somehow connected to the profit on the end of it. And, and you can see how that is just, in my mind, as corrupt as corrupt can be. And so whenever you hear the phrase public-private partnership, in my mind, just like when somebody says moneypox, I don't hear the K, right? When I hear public-private partnership, my mind translates that to 21st century upgrade to Mussolini's fascism. It's not just corporate and government working hand in hand, it's corporate government and all these organizations. Now that's the dystopia that we currently live in and it's just getting worse and bigger and more powerful. On a very small scale, when I heard that they were going to be having this system to amend the international health regulations, um, I put up a, a proposal and anyone who has the um, mental bandwidth to want to contribute is invited to go to thepeoplesamendments.com, both plural, thepeoplesamendments.com. It's an article on my Substack where we're basically looking to take the narrative away from them they're trying to amend international law to suit their needs, which basically means we, the people, can make a suggestion, a, a, a presentation. Yes, many of those um, regulations do need to be changed. I agree. But let's put our heads together and change them for the benefit of the people, not for the benefit of this 21st century fascism, which is government, corporations, and foundations all working together to launder money, not to make people healthy. 
And so if anybody goes to thepeoplesamendments.com and wants to submit criticism, suggestions, ideas, um, you know, I'm here to listen to what the people have to say about what we want for the future. And I could pretty much guarantee you that the WHO has no intention of doing that at all. All right. Well, last question for you, just sort of a fun little topic here as we move towards November 8th and the sea change that's about to take place. The Democrats are panicking. I like to call them Democrats because that's what they are. The only thing they really care about is abortion. The only thing they can run on is abortion. The only thing they love is abortion in the ninth month. And I find it personally offensive that Scott Jensen, who's running for governor in the state of Minnesota, the ads being run about him saying he's too extreme for Minnesota because he won't stand up for a woman's right to health care, which is abortion. I think sticking a needle into the head of a baby and sucking out its brains is extreme. But that's just my opinion, James. So here's my question. As we move toward November 8th and the trolls in the comments section say nothing's going to change because everybody's in on it. I ask you, who do you think cares more about Arizona and the people of Arizona? Carrie Lake or Katie Hobbs? Oh, you know, I think that's a, an obvious one, uh, Carrie Lake. Um, going back to um, future Governor Jensen, I hope. Um, first time I heard his name, he was standing strong against the push that he got to improperly fill out death certificates saying, you know, oh, that people died from COVID as opposed to, you know, maybe they had COVID, but they died from something else. And so, you know, when you look at, politicians who are standing up for the things that you believe in, you know, the choices are very, very easy. Um, I, I can't, uh, in, in, in terms of the wide range of um, races that are out there, I would encourage people to go to standforhealthfreedom.com. They have a wonderful summary of all of the uh, races around the country. Um, standforhealthfreedom.com. Um, check out their uh list of recommendations for people to consider voting for. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in a hellish world, okay? My, uh, I, I don't say it's my representative. Um, the person who claims to be the representative from the district that I live in happens to be Adam Schiff, okay? And the likelihood that he's gonna get reelected is just galling to me. Um, you know, you do what you can to vote for the people who support the things that you believe in. Um, but what we have to realize is that, yes, we want to um, vote for and hope that the people we vote for are not replaced by the people who are selected into office and, and read into that whatever the heck you want to read into. But it still comes down to the people because whoever the heck is in office, quite frankly, is going to do whatever the heck they want to do. And my experience a couple of months ago was that the people in office get direction from their leadership unless they get massive pushback from we the people. There was a, a point where I was you know, pushing people to reach out to their congressman and we had 100,000 people um, do that in the span of a couple of weeks. And you could tell that it was getting through because we were getting feedback emails from the various congresspeople. And you could see how they didn't hear what the people were saying. They were regurgitating what their leadership told them to say. And so it's incredibly difficult for these uh, senators and congresspeople and everyone else to maintain their independence. Um, 
I had a conversation with Christine Anderson. Um, she's a, a member of the European Parliament. And we're talking about all this WHO stuff. And, and she's like, you know, we're not privy to this information. It's all the deep state doing this stuff quietly. And, you know, even for someone like her, who is, you know, definitely on the side of the people, um, we all have to be vigilant because they, they keep as much of this silent as possible. And, you know, if you see what's going on and, and you become the media and, and you, in whatever fashion possible, alert your friends and neighbors, you know, just by doing something like sharing this video that the SGT report will have put out, um, aware, it starts with awareness. Then you understand what the deal is and, and then you push back wherever you can push back. And so there are some decent people running for office, Carrie Lake and hopefully Governor Jensen, um, but it doesn't stop in November, okay? You gotta keep pushing. And, you know, it's supposed to be about the people they are our public servants. They are not our leaders. We have to lead them like a bull with a hook in his nose and just make them go where you want. Um, we don't listen to them. They need to listen to us. That's my, that's my yeah. take on that. Yeah, me too. And uh, I believe that is what's starting to happen with all of these mega patriots who are running for office now. And uh, the Democrats are so deluded. It was Katie Hobbs' twin sister who was uncovered by Project Veritas as saying, we threw lots and lots of money at these mega patriots because our research was telling us that they would be easier to defeat than the quote unquote rhinos. What a bunch of hogwash. People are rising up in droves as we see patriots like Kerry Lake speak truth to the fake news media. I had two more questions in my little quiz for you, but these are totally rhetorical questions. Uh, they don't require an answer, but uh, who cares more about America and the people of America? Open borders, creepy Joe Biden or Donald J. Trump? And the last one, who cares more about kids? RFK Jr. and Dell Bigtree or Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, the CDC, FDA, and the World Health Organization? The answers are obvious and clear, James. Very, very much so. And uh, again, though, okay, some of the people you mentioned are, are wonderful. Some of them maybe not so much. Um, but who cares more about your kids? It'll never be any of those people. It has to be you. And usually what my experience has been is until um, the horror that's going on hits people at home, you know, with a family member or, or a close loved one or financially or whatever, um, you know, usually we're all, you know, maybe a little bit too comfortable to step up to the plate and, and push back when it's not your child or it's not, um, you know, your life or your money or your job or whatever. Okay. And so kudos to all of those folks in New York and everywhere else who stood their ground, lost their jobs, fought the fight and, and won the legal battle and now have back pay and, you know, their jobs back if they want them. Um, those are the true heroes, not, you know, not the leaders, you know, some of the people you mentioned are wonderful, you know, folk, but, um, we, each and every one of us have to come together. We, the people, um, the nation is only as strong as the people. And if we're hoping that some politician or, you know, some media mogul is going to fix this for us, that is impossible because we are the problem. If we're not strong, I think it was Abraham Lincoln. I wrote a quote, you know, America is a great nation because America is made up of good people. 
something to that effect. Okay. If we don't become better, stronger people, then we, the people of the United States, if we are weak, then the nation is weak. It doesn't matter what the leaders do. So look in the mirror, do the best you can, share this video. Um, give me a call, 310-619-3055. I certainly don't know everything, but if I can help anybody um, get a better understanding of what's going on with what I do know about, um, happy to do what I can. Yeah. Yeah, very good. And uh, we'll just round out the conversation with my comments about uh, taking these people on in a court of law. And you're right. The people who stood up against the tyranny in heroes. New York and took heroes. them to court. Yeah, they're heroes. But more and more heroes are coming out of the woodwork every single day and they're regular Joes and they're standing up to these tyrants. And then when the court of public opinion turns, these rats in power, these senators and Congress people, they can see which way the wind is blowing and they yeah. tend to go with the people. And that's, I think, to a large degree, what we're seeing now add to that mega patriots, people who really do put America first and aren't beholden to deep money and Gates money and all that other garbage. These people are going to win if we the people turn out on November 8th in droves. And if you guys want to revisit an important conversation about how to take the demon rats on in court and the tyrants on and the authoritarians on, go listen to my interview with James Tracy and Todd Callender. We talked a little bit about Dr. Graves course, how to win in court with or without an attorney. More and more people are getting those tools, learning that expertise so they can do what James Tracy is doing and take these people on pro se, file the lawsuits. Because as James said in that interview, there's nothing scarier than getting a knock on the door with a person on the other side saying, you've been served. <laughs> so we'll keep them honest in the courts. And for those who have lost all hope regarding the courts, I, I feel you, I hear you. But again, look what happened with the New York State Supreme Court overruling the tyrants in New York and giving these people who got wrongly terminated for not taking the bioweapon, giving them their jobs back. James, can you just really quickly spell out exactly how people can find you, the best places to find you? I know Substack is one avenue. Um, very simple. The only hard part is spelling my name. Okay. James, J-A-M-E-S, Roguski, R-O-G-U-S-K-I dot substack dot com. And give me a call, 310-619-3055. All right. Thank you, brother. Keep us posted. Always glad to get you on. Thank you. All right, friends, thanks so much for tuning in. As always, a special thanks to our subscribe stars and our members at sgtreport.tv, where we present this content ad-free and you can watch it on your TV in the comfort of your own home. And for real news every single day, guys, visit us for free at sgtreport.com and thephaser.com. Those are two antidotes to corporate propaganda and all of those mockingbird mainstream media CIA lies. God bless you and yours. Bye-bye. Something that I have found somewhat encouraging is I've received a few messages as of recently from other whistleblowers whistleblowing other things, such as the fibrous clots being find, found at mortuaries. Um, this other Pfizer whistleblower who proves that they can they falsify data on the uh, trials and studies of this vaccine. So hopefully more and more truth will come out and we'll be able to push back even more. <laughs>